We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. (laughs) Come on. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. <laughs> Jed Hoyer. How dare he? Come on! We know what you're you up guys. to, Jed, you sneaky sneakerson. Well, we really don't know what he's up to because it's time to go out there and cut some checks, man. He's you're, up to fooling us. You're a major market team. And I know you're waiting for prices to come down. Believe me, I'm the guy that buys about to expire meat and, and day-old baked goods. But I'm not a major market baseball team. You don't have to do that. You're you, not. No, you go 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 cut a check. If you have to overpay a little bit in a year that you're expected to be a contender to win the division and beyond, get on with it. I said that about Jorge Soler like an hour ago, and you were against it. I'm just not a big fan of his game. Oh my gosh, to me it's the opposite, man. That guy produces no matter where he is. But he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't really produce. I don't know. Look at his numbers. I. He's got, the guy's worth less than a win a year. Let's see about That's, that. He's average .74 WAR per year. That's bad. I just need some offense. All right. Well, why don't we listen back to what was? I mean, he's still 170 total home runs. I mean, he just I, earned I, himself 14 million a year over nine. That's five extra million, guys. Why aren't you using your other number when you talk about Solaire? I did. I used uh, WRC plus as a career 112. Which would make him 12% better than the average offensive player given the current run environment. 12% is statistically significant and would have helped the Cubs make the playoffs. Which means that he's better than a lot of offensive players, right? Right, He's he's, he's a net positive offensively. Some years. Uh, That's total. Mark my words, people. This might go down as something you regret. Jed, come on. Well, let's hear. Like most of the years he's been... No, look at each year. He's look. I'm looking at his OPS plus right now. 146, 99, 103, 35. Solaire is not Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom is not nearly as consistent. 99, 78, 131, 95, 128. Hate it here. So most years that he's played, the majority of years that he's played, he's been either average or above average offensively. But I ha- but he can't give him a glove, and we have our, we have the DH. We're not talking about – we're strictly talking about him as an offensive player. But the DH is in place. Right. That's why we're talking about him, because he would – There's no spot for him. There's no spot for him. So, Whatever. You just said the judge should spend it. I agreed yes, with you. Yes, but not – they have no spot for Jorge Soler. They, okay. have their, they have a DH. Because you want Nick Madrigal at third. I don't want him there. But that's who's there. But they, they've got a guy who does what Solaire does, who's younger, 
less expensive, and might even be better. So let's hear what Jed Hoyer said as he welcomed everyone. Jed, as you get started here, um, you guys missed the playoffs by one game last year. What, like, what gives you the confidence that you guys can take that next step this year uh, to, to get into the playoffs? Yeah, you know, last year was exciting in so many ways, and I think that we did a lot of really good things, obviously, but you know, we struggled in September and, and, and fell a game short with a team that I feel like, you know, probably should have been in the postseason. And I think, you know, we've added some really good players this winter. I do think that uh, we have a lot of, of young players and, and and some young veteran players that I think have a chance to take take real steps forward. And I think that's the, the the most exciting thing for me is I feel like we have a deep roster and we have a deep roster of, of players I think have that have a chance to continue to get better. And um, I think that gives me a lot of hope that, that, that we can, um, you know, accomplish this year what we couldn't last year. Jim, you said that Cubs come that you were in the fourth or fifth inning of the offseason. How would you characterize where you are as a team building standpoint at this point? Yeah, you know, I think the closer is definitely warming up at this point. You know, um, uh, there's a lot of good free out there. Certainly, it's been a really late, evolving offseason, and so um, you know, every day we're in, in, in contact with different free agents, and we may well. You know, add one or more players to the, to the roster, but at this point, you know, as we sit down and, and think about it, I mean, it is February fourteenth. You know, it is day one of spring training, and we're trying to focus on the guys that are here. Uh, how do you balance that when, when you said it's day one of spring training, trying to focus on the guys that are here, but you also are negotiating with potentially guys that may you may add to the ball club? I mean, that's that's our job. You know, I think that he's managing the team every day, and he's out there with the players and. Um, yeah, sure. I'll go out there and uh, watch a few bullpens and things like that. But ultimately, our job is is you know more behind the scenes. You know, we'll, we know we're always talking to agents this time of year. There's always players still left on the market, so that's that's nothing new. Um, but again, I you know I'm not out there every day with the players. I think our job is to talk to agents and, and to handle other things you know behind the scenes. Jim, not a ton of lefty options um, for you guys right now. As far as depth in the organization, are there guys that you foresee maybe being able to contribute when it comes to managing those matchups as the season starts? Um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll continue to um, both look at free agency and look look internally. Uh, are you talking about left-handed bats? Are you talking left-handed? Yeah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, we were excited to bring in Michael Bush. Obviously, he had a really good year in the minors last year, and... Um, you know, we're excited to bring his bat into the lineup. Um, we have some young players that, that certainly can, can help. But, you know, that's something we, we talked about a lot internally, that we are a pretty right-handed team. And um, those right-handed hitters are going to have to hit right-handed pitching. Hey, Craig, uh, I wonder as you get to know your players, like how much does it help that, that a lot of these guys were competing against you for so many years, like and had respect for how your Brewers teams play? Does that help you as you kind of get to know guys and begin this process with the new team? Yeah, I, th- I think it cuts both ways, really. It's like they, they've seen me, and I've seen them a lot, too. So there's, you know, I, I mean, I was just talking to Justin Steele about not understanding how we couldn't score against you. You know, I mean, like the Brewers couldn't score against you. And I like that he's got the, the facial hair back because I'm just, I just, he was clean cut for his wedding. And I didn't like that, really. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, so there's some familiarity from competing for sure, and and that feels good. It really does, um, and uh, it it and really, it it's there's already a connection there because of that, um, and I like that, and it's a place for us to start uh, start a conversation. 
Herder, uh, how difficult has it been to navigate the Bollinger conversation to keep the lines open with you and Jed, and at the same time, you know, trying not to tip either way the media or the fan base as you negotiate with one of the most uh, accomplished agents in the game? Yeah, I think kind of as Jed alluded to, there's just so many things going on this time of year. You know, in addition to major league free agents, minor league free agents, player development, you know, scouting's getting up and running, international scouting's going hard. Like, we have plenty of things that are happening on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, each and every year, and you know, having other free agent negotiations going on is nothing new to us. So, it's kind of business as usual for, from that standpoint. And you know, Jed's obviously. Uh, one of the easier people to work with, at least obvious to me, and um, you know, definitely enjoy that and excited about getting into the spring. It's kind of a tightrope, though, isn't it, when you're trying to balance uh, things and not say the wrong thing or mislead people when you're talking about something that so seems so important to the fan base? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we don't necessarily feel like it's a tightrope as much as, you know, we're just telling the truth and trying to do our jobs and trying to win as many baseball games for the Cubs as possible. And if we do that, we're likely not going to uh, get ourselves in any trouble. So, Chad, what, what is the truth about uh, Bellinger and the pursuit? And, I mean, obviously you're going to be fully transparent here with us. And, I mean, and, and I've how said, hopeful are you that something might happen? Um, yeah, I've said you know, dozens of times, I think at this point, you know, I have, no, I have nothing but admiration for him. You know, he had a, he came in last year uh, coming off to, um, you know, struggle, struggling, poor seasons, you know, in LA. And I think wanted that fresh start. He came in here, worked incredibly hard, you know, every day here with Dustin Kelly in the off season. And, you know, it's, um, you know, it's gratifying to watch someone's hard work pay off, you know, um, obviously had a great year last year. Um, he was a really good teammate. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, I have a ton of admiration for for Cody, and um, I've said that a ton. What, what, where are things trying to bring him back? I mean, like I said, we're talking to tons of different free agents right now, and um, we'll continue to to do that. Jed, just kind of off of that, you know, if, if this roster kind of is what it is, and there aren't any more major additions over the next couple of weeks, do you feel like the front office has given Craig a, a playoff caliber? Roster, how do you kind of look at the the team as a whole right now, and obviously what you guys want to accomplish this season? Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to feel you know complete. You know, I might twenty plus years I've never gotten to a place where I felt like uh, you just kind of turn it over to the manager and, and like you know went and played golf. And that's not how this this thing works. You know, I think that we're always going to be looking for upgrades um, both now and and all season long, and that's what that's that's our job. Um, yeah, I'm excited about where we are as an organization. I think that we have a lot of good young veteran players on the team. I think we have uh, a ton of young talent. And um, I'm probably more excited for this spring than most springs just because we have so much young talent in camp. And that's what's really you know fun in this job is watching those guys play, watching those guys develop. You know, young players, young talent, that's, that's where the game is right now. That's the currency of, of baseball. And um, you know, that's the part of, our, of the organization that gives me the – uh, the most confidence, and I'm, I'm excited to watch those guys every day this spring. Yeah, I mean, there's look, it's a strength of the organization right now, and uh, there are 
it, it is the best part of this camp, right? There's a number of young players, one that are like already here, but still have like growth. You, you know, they have growth as big leaguers left, and then there's a big group, and I, I put PCA in that group that are like that. These are these are important camps because of just their exposure to a bunch of major league players. They're kind of they're looking to make the next step, and our job is to help them take the next step. And it's it's a it's a messy generally it's usually a messy process a little bit, um, but it's really fun. Um, and in the end, you know, you look back on players that I think as coaches and as managers that you got to have from day one, and you're so proud of those guys, right? Because you take the journey, kind of that major league journey with them for a long time and, and that's that's really rewarding and really exciting and it is the game today it, you have we have to have those players um, so that we have so many of them and this camp is a great place to start do you know what to follow on Megan thank you um, <clears throat> just maybe a little rephrasing but but you said you never feel complete enough but of course there are degrees of that so if you're as as you are today, if that's the roster going in, have you had a good off season? Have you done enough? Yeah, I think we added. You know, I think we added some good players this off season, and I think that that natural um, maturity and growth of our young players will will add a lot as well. You know, I look back on you know where we were a year ago, and then some of the players that have have stepped forward, and now we're considering those guys established big leaguers. Like he mentioned, Justin Steele. You know, a year ago, I don't think we were talking about him in the same way and the hope is that we look back a year from now and you know there's five six of those guys that have now established themselves as as, as cubs so like i said i'm excited about where things are right now and i'm um, excited to get going Great. what's what, what's your, your message on a new team new players what do you tell them uh, to start your spring training yeah i mean look i think there's no speech that changes the world right now. <laughs> That's a big misconception, I think, about sports. We should, they make movies about it, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, it's really about us connecting as a group. That's that's what we're, our job is right now, um, and our job is to kind of take care of the things you take care of the first ten days. It's not to get too far ahead of ourselves. It's to take care of so that's health. It's to take care of the the small things we're doing with the, the, the kind of the fundamentals we're doing with pitchers over the next ten days. Um, that's that's the job right now. Um, and as we as we you know that's what and that's what spring training is about right now. Um, as we get closer to the season, and and as we have interacted together, um, and and we kind of develop some relationships. That's when that's when the real kind of team building I think starts. Uh, in uh, preparing for college last year, what did you see? of his adjustments and uh, what did you guys uh, do to try to combat uh, those adjustments? I don't I, I don't know if I could tell you that. I don't really remember that, honestly. I mean, he had, he had a great season last year. Craig, in the, in the relationship building process, like, what do you want these guys above all to know about you as you start to work with them? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're just going to be direct with them. Um, that's number one. And then, and then the number two is that... Um, that we're building, we want to be have something special here, and the responsibility that goes along with being on a on a great team. Um, you know, we want everybody to take part in that and realize that it's um, it's fun, but it's also challenging. One thing that we've heard from a couple of people is that you seem to have more of a focus on like individual work during spring training. What does that look like in terms of like structure wise? Um, 
it's so it, it's just a camp thing. It's nothing you'll notice for a little while. Maybe until game start, you won't see any of it. But it's just it's just a little tweak on the structure of spring that that I I think is helpful for coaches and players. You know, look, we're it. We these guys, the players get evaluated so much through you know th- through statistics, through video, through tech, you know, and. And so what, what I want to provide, like in spring, when, when the results in the, the results don't matter, right? And we can, like, al- really allow teaching and coaching to go on, um, like, on an individual basis. We have access to so much space here and fields here. And so that's kind of the nature of that is just, like, one-on-one time for coaches and players or small groups with coaches and players. Season, but last year you guys had a bad start and had a great comeback, bad ending. Uh, how much will that play into this? It's a lot of the same players back. Can they use what happened last year as a as positive that they did get back in the race? And work? Yeah, I think there's a lot of positives from last year. I mean, we were 10 games under, and to fight to get tw- to 12 games over, I thought was super impressive. And I think that says a lot about the character of the, of the team, of the coaches. Um, I do feel like that sprint took a toll, um, and you know uh, when you're when you're winning like that every night, and then the toll that takes on the bullpen. I do think we had to play catch up, you know, too much, and so um, I think that's probably a lesson to, to take from it. You know, it's uh, it, it's hard to, to sprint like that for for three months, but um, they should be they should be proud of themselves and proud of what they of what they accomplished during that during that period, and obviously. Um, I think for all of us, there's a you know kind of a bitter taste in our mouth that we weren't able to complete that because I think that would have been a really special uh, playoff team having you know like I said been ten games under and, and making the playoffs. So uh, hopefully that that uh, bitterness kind of fueled everyone uh, a little bit this offseason. Greg, you, you never uh, you never look nervous. You, you always you know boil over. You seem kind of like unruffled all the time. I mean that. And, uh, is that is that how you are? Would you have been kind of in your wheelhouse last season as you know this stress mounted for what the way the cup schedule went? Is, is that the kind of thing you're really good at? And uh, do you have any like here today, new job? Do you have anxiety? Do you have fear that we just don't see? Yeah, I mean, I think we all. Yeah, we, I mean, I've told you we have it for sure. We all. We should. You should have some anxiety. Like if you're not, I think you're probably over it if you don't have the anxiety right like you're so um of course you have some of it but it's the good it, there's the good kind and the bad kind so if, if that makes sense and i think it's the good stuff um i i think i'm i like being nervous in the dugout like i i think like that's when you're locked in if that makes sense you know like there's there's a little you should be on a on edge to get that's you need to be on edge to get locked in. I think maybe that's how I do it. I guess, but I, I think that's how the right way to. That's for me. That's how it works for me. So, um, look, any any, you know, you we, if you're gonna be a playoff team, you're gonna play really critical games in September every year. You know, and and so that's that's you know what's coming. Um, that's how a season works. Um, those games, those are going to be critical games, and that's how that's that's what we plan on. That's what we want to have happen this year. I really like Craig Council. I have to tell you, the four words right there that I circled over and over and over again: the results 
don't matter. Spring training games, he said, you will notice what we're doing with the work in the games. When the games start, the results don't matter. How dare you and how dare he? Cactus League championships have been known to be precursors to excellent seasons. I just like the fact that he's not afraid to say it. Right there, first day, the results don't matter. The work matters. The growth matters. The, de- the development matters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not sexy when you're trying to get your bearings straight and do like PFP, for example. Or if you were the Kansas City Chiefs at this time, perhaps you were doing playoff overtime install. Because we expect to be there. Right. And it might end up being something that we're supposed to do. I loved hear, hearing him talk about council, talking about how the approach is going to be a little bit more individual-based. And I wrote down, Craig Council seems smart and sensible. Self-aware. You also noticed that when Jed Hoyer was asked, have you done enough, he didn't answer. He didn't, he, he didn't he say is, yes. He has not done enough. He didn't I'll say, answer it for him. Yeah, he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He says he's excited about the roster he's put together, but he didn't answer the question. But there's still time, and I'm I'm still two weeks out from worrying. We've got more you Cubs are? sound. I told yeah, you, I March. Too. Yeah, March Man, 1st. I've been yeah. No, I'm, I, I agree with that. I, I think that we should go circle back to some Cubs stuff a little bit later on in the show, some opinions about some specific players, some pitching-related stuff also that we're going to get to at 1 o'clock. But next up, back to football. Adam Rank, NFL Network fantasy analyst, host of the SICK podcast with Adam Rank, has some some Bears thoughts he's going to share when we return on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2. On Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Justin has a rare combination of intelligence, of size, of strength, and speed. You forget how big of a, of a man he is until you're up on him. He's not a small man. And so I just think every year he's going to continually get better. Um, and um, so I'm glad he's on the Chicago Bears. That's Kevin Warren 
playing it straight down the middle when asked by Jared Payton about Justin Fields. Let's talk some Chicago Bears and some football with Adam Rank, NFL Network fantasy analyst and host of the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on Twitter at Adam Rank. And with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, CircaLasVegas.com. Also, Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Adam, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. My uh, my voice is a little shaky. I might have spent one or two nights at Circa in Las Vegas during the Super Bowl, but happy to be here and talk some uh, Chicago Bears. I've seen a lot of the stuff that you've been doing when it comes to bear stuff. To to get you on the record here, the station of record in Chicago, the score, what do you think the Bears should do about their quarterback situation? Oh, if this is a what I would do, a should do kind of situation, I kind of would echo the sentiment that Kevin Warren is putting out there with having a quarterback who is growing in the NFL. And DJ Moore talked about it. He talked to everybody last week. And, you know, when I was talking to him, he w- we were talking about the growth that he showed and his ability to get better. And if you look at the situation the Bears are in right now, the Bears are looking for a historic haul, which I think they'll be able to get, whether it's from Washington, New England, or another team that jumps up even further. Like if Atlanta wanted to come all the way up from, what is it, seven or eight, there would be a real opportunity to not only cement the future this season, uh, to go out there, still get in the mix for Roma Dunze or any of Malik neighbors or somebody like that, but also setting them up for future draft picks. And I think that's one of the things that Ryan Poles talked about when he took over as general manager of the Chicago Bears is that he wanted to fortify this team, build through the draft, and you do that by accumulating a bounty of picks and not only that, there's some, you know, there's some cap space that'll let you go out there and chase guys like Daniel Hunter or other players of like that. So if I'm if I'm the Bears and I'm putting my GM hat on, so to speak, I'm sticking with Justin Fields. We should note the bobbleheads that are behind your Ooh, right you. shoulder this, there. Thank that, you. Yeah. I think I see is that I can't see if that's a butler or a cutler. There's a there's there's a Rex Grossman. Yeah, there is that man. Erlacher. Rex Grossman, Singletary, and then who's on the end? Who's next to Mike Singletary? That's a that's a Khalil Mack. Oh, it's a Khalil, Khalil Mack. Coming back. Mack. Coming back. Khalil Mack. I, listen, I still have love for Khalil Mack, and I still thought it was a good trade. Uh, the Bears, again, needed to go out there and accumulate some picks. And, hey, if we want to run it back, because I know the Chargers are going to be looking to uh, – What, do you have 17 him. sacks this past year? He's pretty good. Yeah, he That's was six in a pretty game. Good. It was pretty good. Yeah, he still got it. And uh, if he wanted to return to Chicago, I would not be morose in any stretch of the imagination. So uh, let's get, yeah, I know the Rex Grossman's hard to, yeah, that one's, no, that's, that's, that one's tough to take. No, I like that one. I, I think that that's, I, if you really want to show your bona fides as a Bears fan, <laughs> you got to have some down roster or some deep cuts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, you know what? Yeah, you got to, like, I went to go see the offspring on Saturday night. It's one thing to be singing along for self self-esteem. But uh, there's some of the old school cuts like Session. When you can sing along with those songs, it shows that you've been there the whole time. So th- that's that's what my Rex Grossman's doing right there. One of my favorites is Get a Job. And Adam, I have to confess, it's my fault because I we follow each other on Twitter. So that's probably why uh, we were mentioned, Lawrence. So I apologize on behalf of the, it's, it's all the good. mutual following. Let's just keep going. I, I do want to <laughs> say this, though. I always catch your your... I don't know if it's eternal optimism. How would you describe your your undying happiness almost? Or not happiness, but just there's something there that's more than optimism. It's more than happiness about your attitude when it comes to just your overall takes on the Bears. 
Is it delusion? I don't know what it is. I, I feel like you always want to put your best foot forward and you always want to believe in the best, you know, and it's maybe I've been watching too much Ted Lasso, or maybe it's because I coach, you know, youth sports, as you see right there, there's a, there's a championship team uh, behind me in that picture for anybody watching on Twitch. I always want to accentuate the positive and, and just really like living in the moment. I understand when, when you're a pessimistic fan, you can't be disappointed because you expected it. And I think for a lot of Chicago Bear fans, they they feel that way. Like everything sucks. We've never been good and all this. And that's fine. If that's the way that you want to live your life, that listen, I'm not going to tell you to do anything different. I just choose to be positive. And I try to I try to find the the rays of sunshine. And that's just the way that I, I want to approach it. And obviously it, it burns me time and time again. I was a little bit more guarded in week one this season, but still, you know, optimistic. And again, I think it comes to, you know, nothing lasts forever. And I think that this, this run of the bears is not going the bad run of the bears is not going to last forever. And I know that why not people look, why well, can't you know it? <laughs> because they've made some improvements in the organization. And I really do believe that bringing in Kevin Warren, who obviously his main expert, uh, his main area of expertise is getting a stadium built. But that to me is a, a big thing that it shows that the bears and the McCaskey family realize we've got to join the rest of the NFL. Like we've got to modernize this team a little bit more. We need to have a new stadium. We need to have a, a domed stadium, at least at the very least a retractable roof or something, because you want to be able to host Super Bowls. And I think if Chicago ever got into the mix where they were hosting Super Bowls, that would be one that would be in the rotation. They brought in an assistant general manager, which they had never done before. Kevin Warren has a football background. They are trying to do things in a new, positive way. They did not have a knee-jerk reaction by firing Matt Eberflus after two seasons. So you can look back at things that have been bad in the, or the, the 90s or you know in recent years. But I do believe that Ryan Poles is making us a modern football organization and one that is going to be competing in the very near future. So, again, if that's optimism, delusion, whatever it is, that's just the way that I'm going to be. Adam, if you don't mind, I'm going to get personal with you here. How old are you? <laughs> it's too personal. I am. Uh, I'm north of 40. Let's just put it that way. OK, I, listen, I'm listen, I'm negotiating a new contract. With the NFL Network, I can't come off like an old man. Well, like I already do. Well, the only thing is that I wanted to ask. I just wanted to kind of figure out the realm before I asked ask this question. What's your favorite Bears memory, not retrospectively, that you actually remember? I mean, for me, it's Devin Hester's opening kickoff uh, in the Super Bowl. And I've talked about this plenty of times. My dad, the reason that I support the Chicago Bears, now I was born in the Chicagoland area, Chicagoland area, not the city of Chicago. I will not claim that, Sh that Schaumburg is part of, or Hoffman Estates, excuse me. Sean Vegas? Okay. Sean Vegas, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, but I grew up in Southern California, but my affinity for the Bears comes from my parents who were, you know, lifelong Bears fans. My dad's from Sterling, Illinois. My mom's from Oswego. And so... I, this is why I root for this team and, and not to bring it down a little bit, but unfortunately my dad passed away before the Bears second Super Bowl. He did get to see Super Bowl 20 and then all that good stuff. I, I had his starter jacket, like from the eighties, my dad had this, he got like one of the authentic starter jackets. So it was the first time that I had worn it since he had passed. And we were actually in Las Vegas watching the game and Devin Hester returns that kickoff uh, for a touchdown 
there was a table of Takatis that got spilled on it, but no, it didn't matter. It was, it was one of the most unbridled joy moments of my life. And uh, just uh, friends and texts and, and, and relatives just texting and everything that was going on. And then Peyton Manning, like a lot of people forget that Peyton Manning threw an interception. And I don't think that I had ever been more confident in a Bears victory in my life. I'm like, yeah, this is like, we got playoff Peyton. Uh, we've got the, the Devin Hester return. Like how would this team lose? And then it starts raining and uh, old, old, uh, you know, thimble hands, Grossman uh, did, did what he did. And so unfortunately it didn't work out. But in that moment, if you're looking at one brief moment of time, uh, it would be right after Peyton Manning's interception. I mean, there was also the part where Jeff Saturday was just turning Tank Johnson sideways. Yeah. That, that... Jeff Saturday. I, I kind of don't care for him for that reason. Bear. How, how did your fantasy experience with this year's Bears team, this 7-10 and 10 Bears team, looking at the usage of skill position players, how did that inform your overall football opinion about next steps for them? Well, I think it really kind of cast a light on Luke Getze. And I don't know who the, who, who the problem is there. Because when you have a player like Darnell Mooney, he should be getting more targets. And that's one of the things that we study is opportunity and targets. And it's not unusual for a quarterback to go out there and really focus in on one receiver and really pepper him with targets. I really thought, like, God, we got to find ways to get Darnell Mooney involved. It would have been nice to figure out ways to get Tyler Scott involved because I thought he had an opportunity to start developing, like, a player like kind of like Amon Ross St. Brown in that kind of mold and that kind of build, you know? So for me, and thankfully Cole Komet did catch on a little bit and the run usage was kind of like, it, it's kind of difficult. And it, in the, in the fantasy space, people love it because if you have DJ Moore, you're like, okay, like I want is I want him to get 20 targets a game. You want to have your quarterback have the run running touchdown option, you know, getting you the the floor of 40 rushing yards per game that you don't care because you don't care about Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet or the running backs like you would a, a fan of the team. So for the fantasy enthusiasts, it was pretty good about like, yeah, we got DJ Moore, we got Justin Fields, we don't have to worry about anybody. Oh, Cairo Santos. Uh, maybe the Bears DST as well. But for the fans, it's like, we want to spread this out a little bit more. We want to be a more balanced attack and less predictable. I mean, like, it's not that it matters. DJ Moore catches everything, so it's not really that big of a deal. But we would want to get some of those complementary pieces going. And I think that when you look at what Shane Waldron was doing in Seattle, especially towards the end of the year, you know, getting the ball to, to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba started coming on at the end of the year. They got their tight ends involved. And I would say that Cole Komet is certainly better than guys like Will Disley. So I feel positive about him. So you wanted more, I, I think, less screens and uh, more more opportunities and more chances for guys other than DJ Moore. I think that's a good way of putting it because we've been talking about how the offense relied on on a singular receiver and, and the secondary receivers were used in ways that we didn't understand. I also love that we're talking to you right after the Super Bowl because the NFL Network people are super connected. It is a huge gathering of knowledge and just what you hear and what you pick up. What have been some of your observations of what you've heard maybe in the in the national football ranks when talking about the Bears? Because I feel like that was the second biggest story outside of the Super 100%. Bowl last week. Absolutely. I mean, everybody, I you know, you go around Radio Row and you do all the interviews and everybody's asking about 
the elephant in the room, which is that number one pick. Which way are we going with the quarterback position? When you talk to the majority of fans, you do get the sense that because we're attached to Justin Fields, and I even talked about it a moment ago, there is the, you know, we want our guy. Like, we're backing up Justin Fields. It feels disrespectful to be talking about somebody else while Justin Fields is still on the team and everything like that. And if, you know, if Justin Fields is traded, you know, we'll go through a small, you know, mourning process as you do when players leave. And we've witnessed this in other sports as well. So it's not, you know, when they broke up the Blackhawks and all that stuff. Like, you you root for those guys, but you still wish they could have kept the band back together. But it proved to be, for the Blackhawks, it proved to be the right thing, which is why they, in any event, when, listen, I think, though, when you talk to people who are player personnel people and you get an opportunity to really like, hey, what's going on? And I know that that fans hate this because, like, you're just hiding behind sources. So I will blow up one of my guys who is a uh, well-known uh, person, Daniel Jeremiah, who's in the the pro personnel game and studies the draft and everything like that. He, along with numerous other people, Always go back to that conversation of, yeah, we love, we love resetting the quarterback club. And that's that's the thing. And we we don't know how Ryan Poles feels because I, I I don't know if he knows how he feels because Ryan Poles has never been deceptive. Like, have you ever gotten that sense? Like when he says he's gonna do something, like he he kind of does it. Yeah, he's pretty like, honest. He, and that's the the book on him is that it's hard for him to not tell the truth, which strangely enough didn't hamper him from getting a great deal done with Carolina. Yeah, you know what? And he was like, ah, I need to be blown away by the offer to get rid of this because they certainly could have, you know, picked, uh, they would have liked to have traded down, obviously, because uh, they had the Darnell Wright in mind as their player, but, you know, would have been happy probably to stay if nobody was going to be offering anything. So I, I think the same holds true right now that he would have to be blown away. And I think some team will eventually do that. I think what it comes down to is the meeting rooms and the opportunity to sit down with Caleb Williams, who to me is the only choice. Like Caleb Williams is the only choice to me. If you're gonna if you're gonna move away from Justin Fields, it's only Caleb Williams because when you look at Drake May and all the other quarterbacks that are you're like those guys come along every year. There is an athletic freak who comes along is like, oh, he checks all the buttons. Like stop it. Like there'll be one in 2025. Like well, there'll be three Drake Mays in 2020. It, it's not a big thing. Caleb Williams is different. Like when you watch him play. If you've been in his presence, if you've ever been to one of his games, you can see it. You're like, yeah, this guy's this guy's different from a lot of other college quarterbacks that I've ever seen. What's going to be important is how he responds to Ryan Poles. We saw last year with what Ryan Poles put Darnell right through, really tested him and tested his character and his mental fortitude and everything like that. I expect Caleb Williams to be grilled in a very similar fashion. So if he comes through that, there might come a time where Ryan Poles looks at that and says, you know what? Like, I don't think I'm taking a step back at the quarterback position. I'm going to be able to reset the proverbial quarterback clock. We still got pick number nine. I mean, I, I, that's the one thing is like, gosh, he could, he could do a, a couple of different things. If he, if he, if he ends up going with Caleb Williams, he can stick at nine and go with uh, Roma Dunze, uh, Malik neighbors, one of those players, maybe even get one of the offensive linemen or if he wants to go crazy and just follow the model of what Houston did last year, like trade back up, jump into the mix 
and uh, get Marvin Harrison Jr. That that would be the one thing that if you're a, a if you're on the Justin Fields should return side that if we ended up with Caleb Williams and Marvin Williams, that would make me feel pretty good about like yeah, you know, it's kind of like when I was a kid and I missed my friend's uh, birthday party because I had a reaction to antibiotics. You know, a couple of days later, my parents took me to Disneyland, and you're like, ah, I forgot all about missing that party. Like that would be a similar type of sentiment. Adam, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Thank you so much. Sorry, I, I probably spoke too long, but thank you. I appreciate uh, being on with you. Happy to have you. Oh, good. That is Adam Rank of NFL Network. Uh, when we come back, there is a tournament that's getting started, the Genesis Open Tiger Woods' tournament at Riviera, but the talk is still about last week. Everybody in the golf community, all the writers that I follow, are still talking about what a crap show that was in Phoenix. So I think we need to address that as the world of golf is doing so. Next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. Every year, this tournament has huge crowds, and, and we, we're, we're, we will look to address any of these problems with the players, with the fans, with the Scottsdale police, with this, with the city of Scottsdale. We don't want to, you know, use uh, this. Uh, we don't want to lose the uh, uniqueness of the events, but there were some idiots out there. No question. You showed the one guy jumping in the trap. Uh, and, and what you'll see next year is we will be- become even more aggressive with those third graders and, and uh, throw them out of the event. Well, you have to do more than that. That's Jim Fish, who is the director of the Waste Management Open. That's uh, whatever that was is not okay. It, it's it's blown right past uh, just harmless fun. Well, it's supposed to be the people's tournament, and it's it's felt like every year, like I would say, probably over the last six or seven years, that there's some one upsmanship that seems to be going on at the Phoenix Open. Literally, of- hold my beer. Yeah, there. I mean, you had yes. you had flashing. You had folks jumping into bunkers. You had folks using the bathroom. Just say multiple chairs. multiple people losing control of their 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 bodily plumb, functions. Their plumbing. Yeah, I have a question. As somebody who goes outside, I'm kind of surprised that people are this surprised by it. Because when I saw the headlines, I'm like, oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Think about the video we saw last year of everybody rushing in at the same time. You see that for Lollapalooza with the kids in the antique jerseys. Who have already buried their bottles of vodka in Grant Park. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so to me, that's the vibe they called for. Right. This is is the life they have chosen. They were were leaning into the bro stuff. They're selling t-shirts like, I got hammered on the 16th hole. Like stuff like like Bourbon Street. I have a lot of friends who now I just know. Like, you know how I always typically take the spring break off to go to Austin for South by Southwest? I'm like, oh, it's waste management. You're out of town. Like that's... That's it. Like, it has become that scene. 
they know how to keep it together a little bit better. I think it's the escalation that's the problem. Where you had they, they've been wanting this is the branding that they put I, out. I know, there. but I think that when you now have golfers who are like, that's enough. Like most of the golfers that have been playful with the crowd and don't mind a little bit of cheering here and there, when they're like, this is uncomfortable now. When they have to have altercations with folks that are in the crowd, you've reached a, a, the thing that they have to worry about is, do folks want to play there? Well, my favorite golf writer is Eamon Lynch of Golf Week. And this was these were his thoughts. This is an excerpt of his thoughts. Giving free reign to jackasses doesn't end well. The social media era has spawned a disease in many sports in which a handful of spectators believe buying a ticket makes them part of the entertainment. Apparently convinced there's an audience dying to hear their slurred witticisms or watch them guzzle beer from a shoe. In most venues, that group is blessedly small. Not so at the Phoenix Open. To an extent, tour players need to suck it up and tune out oafs riding the rope lines while offering commentary. That's just part of being a professional athlete. The issue in Scottsdale is that the rope line is no longer the final frontier. Players won't and shouldn't tolerate people running onto the course to make snow angels in the bunkers or yelling during the hitting of a shot. The standard defense offered by these tournament's loyalists, if you don't like it, stay home, is no longer fit for purpose. Only the stars can vote with their feet and walk. For everyone else, starts in the tour events are tougher to come by than ever. Staying home is a luxury they cannot afford. And if the Phoenix Open sees the quality of its field decline because of boorish fan behavior, that's a problem. If women working on site feel unsafe, Because of groups of leering drunks, that's a problem. If spectators are emboldened to go inside the ropes, that's a problem. When fans gleefully initiate and record conflict with competitors, that's a problem. Yep. I don't think any of that is in question. I just think at some point this was already happening and they ignored it. It's just gotten to the point where it's there's so many numbers and the numbers are high that this is what occurred. But this was it. This this was the time when it became clear critical mass that, that you have you've danced with this devil, and you've it's been all it's all fun and games and the hole in one and throwing water bottles and this was the year that it crossed. I mean, it's it's like they're trying to go for that music festival vibe with the country. Club crowd at some point you're you're not going to have it both ways. Well, it, what they were doing is they were trying to kind of move away from the country club crowd, but the the problem is is that everything became okay. the the the, the limits were were driven through, and once you do that, people you give an op- people an opportunity to show their ass, they're going to do it. So now that they've done it, they've got to figure out in Scottsdale what they want this to be and how to get it back to it being more accessible than other tournaments, but not being a jackass festival. Well, and I mean, when I say like trying to marry those two elements, it's not really possible. Like you, you think you're getting like a higher level of, of customer or something, I guess is their, their thought as to how this would self police. But at the end of the day, people just don't behave that way. Like, it sounds like there were lulls in the tournament where there was a lot of alcohol being served. and They had some weather issues that forced yeah, was, people in, right. into more congested places. And, and frankly, I just, uh, 
I, it's like, what do you want to be here? And if that's the case, then you'd better hire some more babysitters for your kids because that's what that's what that crowd has, has uh, part of it at least, has turned into. I looked at the numbers, by the way. They, uh, they tallied them up today. 54 fans arrested, almost 300 evicted. But here's the other thing. That 54 comes, arrests? Here's the other thing. 653 emergency calls. That's that's a draw on resources. <laughs> Too many people died last year. I mean, seriously. No, that's a draw on taxpayer resources. Yeah, and 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 you're you're trending like if somebody were to die, somebody already fell out and and hurt themselves badly. Like if you were gonna have a real tragedy, you're talking about all kinds of exposure with this having happened now. So I think they, like, I'm sure their insurers are telling them to reel it in. That's where that's probably what happened. Because they didn't tell them last year, I guess. Maybe this is enough. Who knows? Or maybe their premiums are so sky high that they just got no choice. Next up, we've got more Cubs sound that came out of today's big public rollout of the 2024 Cubs. So we'll listen to it next on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.